What's up, everybody, and welcome in to this special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast, and we have a fresh interview with Miro. Did you hear it? Miro, the Redeemer, has come back to AEW. It was Gabe Knightzel and yours truly. I had a chance to talk to Miro. Check it out. Insightful, um, fun, introspective. A lot of stuff going on with Miro as he made his return to AEW on Collision on Saturday from the United Center. Check that interview out. It's in the bio right now. It's on YouTube, youtube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling. Speaking of GKW, you know we're on every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. You can watch it on YouTube live, youtube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling as well as on Twitter. You can watch it on Twitter as well, twitter.com slash GKW underscore wrestling. I hope I need more followers to that site. I mean, we want to get up to at least a 1,000 people here. So check it out, twitter.com slash GKW underscore wrestling. And, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, like this one, look for Good Karma Wrestling. Man, I tell you what, we've got some great interviews that we've had. We've got a chance to talk to Miro. We've got a chance to talk to Britt Baker and Adam Cole, uh, Jeff Jarrett. We've got a chance to talk to Rey Mysterio, Cody Rhodes, Rick Flair, Matt Cardona. It's all there for you. If you missed some of our conversations we had on Good Karma Wrestling, check it out. It's all in the bio. It's all on YouTube as well, YouTube.com. Look for Good Karma Wrestling. We've had some fabulous conversations. I never think of them as interviews as much as conversations uh, because a lot of the people we talk to want to talk long form, want to talk about their place in the business of professional wrestling. So check it out. We had so much fun talking to so many guests so far on Good Karma Wrestling with yours truly, Brian Rowitz and Gabe Neitzel. Okay. Boy, what a great weekend it was for us as wrestling fans. And we are in a great spot right now as wrestling fans. A great spot. And here's why. I'll start with the independents. If you are going to a wrestling show in your backyard, in your area, that's great for the business. There's no question about that. If you're going to Impact shows, if you're going to NWA shows, if you're going to New Japan when they come to California, when they come in the area for the United States or even overseas, if you're watching AEW or WWE, it's all great because it's great that everyone can be able to enjoy professional wrestling. Everyone's raising the bar. I'm seeing this now in 2023. We've had wrestling. We've had some shows. We've had some things to talk about. But you can just tell across the board in pro wrestling, everyone is raising the bar. And it's so cool to see. So I think we're in a great spot as wrestling fans. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to tell you that we're going to have a lot more Uh, conversations about professional wrestling, more than just the Thursday show. There's so much going on. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. That way you never miss an episode. Hit that subscribe button, and that way when it pops up, boom, you've got a pop-up episode talking pro wrestling slash sports entertainment. As I mentioned, this weekend was fun, and it starts with Friday, right? Lexington, Kentucky, the bloodline blow-up. It happened. (laughs) It's just... This has just been a really interesting story with the bloodline, and that is involving the Usos with Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman, as well as Solo Sokoa. This has just been just tremendous to watch because Sami Zayn was part of this as well at one point, and now, of course, he's part of the tag team championship combination with Kevin Owens. But I have a list of great stories in professional wrestling that I've seen with my own two eyes that I'm going to give you in just a moment. But I'm just telling you right now, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better story that we're seeing right now because the audience clearly is not bored with it. 
you know, in an era in 2023 where you're like, okay, next, all right, this match has happened or this feud's happened, okay, what's next? Fans want to know what's next, meaning I can't wait to see what happens next week. I can't wait for the next live event. I can't wait to hear the next story or read the next thing on social media about the bloodline because many people are excited about what is going on with this group. And Friday Night SmackDown, we had a swerve from Jey Uso. I thought that Jey Uso was going to swerve everybody because he's like, hey, I, all the things that has happened in my career, I became main event Jey Uso because of this man, Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns is smiling because he's a narcissist and believes in himself and he's over the top and he's really been an unbelievable personality throughout all this. And then the super kick right to the face of, Jay, of uh, Roman Reigns. And Jay and Jimmy is what the audience has wanted for a long time. They left Roman Reigns land. And they left Sol Sokoa over the top rope onto the floor. And then there was just a perplexed, worried uh, Paul Heyman that's been involved in all of this. Jimmy and Jay Uso with that super kick to Roman Reigns. Not once, but twice. And so they draw, they drew their line in the sand. And I think that's pretty spectacular that we see this now. And so now on July 1st at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in London... Roman and Solo against the Usos. That's going to be the main event, and it's going to be red hot. Because people want to see what that looks like. Well, and now here's the thing that's interesting about this. They've broken up for now, but what's next? As Roman Reigns put it, he put it so perfectly. He said that what's going on right now is not fast food. The fast food that you've been given for years and years under Vince McMahon. I'm paraphrasing the Vince part, but I know what he's talking about. He says, the audience has been fed fast food for a long time, but this storyline is filet mignon. You got to wait on it. You got to let it marinate. You got to be able to wait on it because once it's finished, you will enjoy a full meal. And boy, I'm telling you, the audience is getting full, but they're, they want more. They're eating this thing up because it's Roman Reigns. It's because it's the Usos, because it's Solo Sokoa, because it's Paul Heyman. It is just an amazing thing because on July 1st, this will not be the end. They have more months to go with this because I have a feeling that there'll be some additional Samoan uh, heritage and tribe members coming in, some family members coming in. I've seen this on social media. I think that would not surprise me if we see more that's part of that lineage that's going to be part of this storyline. The bloodline has just been amazing. It really has been. I understand that, you know, obviously Paul Levesque has something to do with this, but I think Paul Heyman has something to do with this as well as far as the writing of this. It's just so much fun to watch. And so what I'm thinking is I look at all of the great stories that I've seen in professional wrestling for a long time. I'd be hard-pressed to not put what we're seeing here currently at number one because it's lasted for a long time and it's been so many layers. But think about in my lifetime, how many different stories that I've seen and read about and watched, like Austin versus McMahon. I mean, the long storyline of Stone Cold Steve Austin trying to take on his boss, Vince McMahon. Now, a lot of this started with Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair in WCW, but it didn't last long like Austin and McMahon, to the point where even Austin was on the side of uh, Vince McMahon. He sided with them in just one of the worst days in WWE where Austin turned heel and nobody wanted him to turn heel. <laughs> it's just amazing, right? So Daniel Bryan against the authority 
And you think about how many months, how many years did the audience want Daniel Bryan, the character in WWE, the ultimate underdog, to be the WWE champion? It finally happened in New Orleans for him. So that was pretty cool. Hogan versus Savage uh, for a long time, the WWF for a long time, where it's like, it was almost like a triangle. It was Hogan, it was Savage, also Elizabeth. If you remember that, Elizabeth, of course, being the wife slash valet for Randy Savage during that era. And so the whole mega powers explode or the mega powers come together, Hogan and Savage, and how that was going on for a long time where people thought there's no better tag team than Hogan and Savage, but there was jealousy from Randy Savage. And that was just an amazing story that was put out actually on NBC. I'll never forget it. I believe it was the main event on NBC where they, the mega powers exploded. They had the old secret handshake and everything else. It was crazy. The Von Erichs and the Freebirds and world-class championship wrestling. For some of our younger listeners, you may not remember this, but I do as a kid watching world-class championship wrestling out of Dallas and seeing the Von Erich brothers uh, in, in which the territory was on its ass until the Freebirds came in, Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Roberts. And they come in, and the Freebirds actually were baby faces when they first came into the territory. And immediately when Terry Gordy uh, slammed the cage door on Kerry Von Erich's head in a matchup in which Kerry took on Ric Flair at the Reunion Arena in Dallas for the NWA Championship, in which Kerry lost that match, when, when the, the cage door slammed on the head of Kerry, that was the beginning of the feud. And my God, that thing lasted for a long time. Even through death, through the Von Erichs, the Freebergs still were fighting with the Von Erichs. So it just, it tells you, like, even in kayfabe, Michael Hayes was like, yeah, I'm sorry that David Von Erich died, but we don't like the Von Erichs. That's how serious it was. And people were so into it. Yes, it was regional, but it was real uh, to the people in uh, the Metroplex in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Just a crazy feud. Um, Dusty Rhodes and his chase for the NWA Championship Dusty really against Ric Flair or Dusty versus the Four Horsemen? So as we watch Cody Rhodes try to finish the story to become the WWE champion, and I think that will happen at some point, um, Dusty went through that same thing trying to be able to be the NWA champion. He got it three times, there's no doubt. But I think that because the Horsemen, it was four of them against Dusty, and Dusty had Magnum TA, and then he eventually had Nikita Koloff, and eventually he had um, some other tag team partners that he could rely on over the years. He was always Dusty trying to get over, trying to get to the point where he's the NWA champion. And actually, he was better as a chaser for the championship than actually the champion, but that's another story. But that was a long, long story of how could Dusty, trying to get over Ric Flair, and all these false finishes and all this nonsense that they would go through, disqualification matches. I saw plenty of those uh, in the mid to uh, late 80s. And Dusty against the Horsemen, that's another one that was amazing. The NWO against WCW. So the NWO is formed, and it really starts with Hogan, because if anyone else is in that spot, isn't it over as much as if Sting turns heel? Is the NWO the same? Probably not. Hogan, along with um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, those three. And then you saw at some point Dusty Rose was part of that. Eric Bischoff was part of that. Um, Scott Steiner. It was a lot of wrestlers that were part of the NWO. 
and they were trying to fight WCW. And it just seemed like that was a losing battle because on the WCW side was the horsemen that were undermined, you know, was Goldberg, was Sting, was some other Lex Luger at times. And, you know, so I think that that was a rivalry. Uh, the NWO really swallowed WCW whole <laughs> for a long time and beat down WCW wrestlers. But that was a rivalry uh, that kept WCW afloat for a long time because of the, the uh, success of the NWO. Let's see. Um, the Hung Bucks and Omega, that whole thing of how they can all come together. That's more of a modern thing, but that's over two years. But it's it's been so in and out. It has, it's been spotty at times, the whole thing with the Young Bucks and uh, Hangman Page and Omega and how they can be together as a group and part of the elite. I mean, in modern times, I think that's a long-term story storytelling, but a lot of that was told on being the elite, the um, the YouTube show for the Young Bucks, so it's not as compelling, I don't think, as what's happening now with the Bloodline, but it has been a long-term thing with those four trying to come together as the elite. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, I think that speaks for itself. Um, Shawn was an asshole, he was as a as a performer, more times than not. Um, he's probably not that guy now, but back then as a wrestler, yeah, he probably wasn't the nicest guy. Bret Hart also took himself way too seriously, and I think that that hurt him in some ways. And that rivalry, though, despite their their differences and their temperament, it was great to see those two go back and forth, Michaels and Hart, Hogan and Andre. That's on my list as well because the whole story of Hulk Hogan never getting Andre the Giant a title shot. Well, you know, we've if you go back in the past, the old Shea Stadium in New York, yes, Hogan and Andre fought before WrestleMania three. They wrestled a lot, as a matter of fact. Uh, but for the modern fan at that time, the story from Bobby the Brain Heenan, the manager of Andre, was like, you never consider giving Andre a title shot? What kind of friend are you? And then, of course, that culminates into WrestleMania three. So there was a hot rivalry there between those two. That was a great story. Um, for the Puerto Rican fan that watched Carlos Colon and Abdul the Butcher or Bruiser Brody get to Abdul the Butcher, there was just buckets and buckets and just like um, just amazing blood spilled all over the island in Puerto Rico. Amazing blood spilled spilled everywhere. Carlos Colon and Abdul the Butcher. Just type it in your browser, and you can just see the matches and how violent uh, those matches were. I throw Bruiser Brody in there as well because Brody and Abdullah had some great matches as well in Puerto Rico. So, But that was, again, long-term storytelling. Cologne and Abdullah, much longer than Brody and Abdullah. Cologne and Abdullah, uh, probably 20 years. <laughs> they wrestled a long time, a long time. So I just want to give just some examples of the bloodline's great. There's no doubt. But think about everything that I've seen over the years as far as long-term. And I don't mean like for six months or three months. I'm talking about for a year plus where a story just continues, where it stays interesting. I just laid out some things off the top of my head. I thought it was just amazing. And it's amazing that I think two times in here, two or three times, Hogan's part of, it, of the long-term storytelling. <laughs> it just, but that's just uh, when it's done right. It's just uh, absolutely amazing. So there's that. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about what is going on with AEW now, because again, the number one storyline in wrestling is the Bloodline, but AEW and Collision 
It was um, taking place this past Saturday at the United Center. I was not there at the UC. I was not there Saturday. I was in Las Vegas. As a matter of fact, as I record this here on Juneteenth, I was in Las Vegas um, and didn't get a chance to go to AW Collision, the inaugural um, showing of this show on Saturday. Before I go into it, let me just say this because it's on my mind regarding Collision. Okay, so I know that if you are a diehard wrestling fan, that's why you're listening to this podcast. But the other thing is, is that when we read from certain people online about how you should never have a two-hour show on Saturdays, you're against college football, you're against the MMA and UFC, you're against you know wrestling pay-per-views. Can I just tell you something? If a, a company offers a whole bunch of money to an organization, say, hey, we'll give you two hours if you want to put wrestling on, what are you going to do? Turn it down? I mean, the Warner Brothers Discovery is giving Tony Khan money to say, we like your product. We need two more hours. Put it on Saturdays because we think you could pop a rating more so than some rerun movie. And so that makes sense to me. I, I just I don't understand some of the quote-unquote wrestling journalists out there that just to try to take apart AEW because they have a show on Saturdays. And they look at numbers. I mean... Uh, in this era in 2023, any number on television, no matter if it's a Wednesday, Monday, Friday, Sunday, Saturday, whatever day, if you can get a number, that's a good thing. It's a great thing because you and I, as you well know, are so busy doing other things, watching other things, going out. A lot of people don't have time to be able to sit and just be dedicated to a show every week. And so ultimately, I'm saying is, is that in this era of streaming, it's cool that, hey, there's a show for if you want. You want Saturday Night Wrestling? Here it is. No matter what time of day, doesn't matter what it is, as long as you can put wrestling on and someone's paying you for it, that's pretty cool. So I just, I, I'm just i so frustrated by reading this stuff like, oh, so um, AEW only drew 600,000 people, 800,000 people for Dynamite. Only 850,000. Who gives a rip? It, 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 to me, that's just such a weak thing to be able to look at numbers in 2023 and say, well, that's a failure. Clearly, it's not a failure. If someone's paying you to put the wrestling on, it's fine. Now, all I'm saying is, is that as long as they're paying you to put wrestling on TV, Wednesdays and Saturdays or whenever, make it entertaining. I can criticize the booking up and down, but when it comes to the ratings, anything you pop today is actually a good thing. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Well, that's what CM Punk was pretty much saying in his promo to the United Center in Chicago. I wish I was there to give you the idea of like how loud it was. I remember when he first came back, um, when I when I was in the house a couple of uh, years ago at the United Center. Boy, it was that crowd was deafening. I don't know if it was the same. I couldn't pick it up well on television watching uh, in Las Vegas, but I just thought it was good to see him. The promo was a mixed bag for me. I thought it was solid. But you could tell that Punk was pissed, and he was hissing mad. He says, no more Mr. Nice Guy. And he, and he took a poke at the Young Bucks. And I thought that that was interesting. The one bill Phil line was interesting. One bill meaning one billion dollar Phil. Uh, he says, from a Warner Bros. Discovery person says, you know what, I call you one bill Phil. And I just think that that's, it was an interesting line. I, um, I just think that he wanted to air his dirty laundry without saying names. I don't know what restrictions that Punk or Hangman Page or the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega have 
about what happened uh, in the brawl out, the fight that they had backstage. I don't know what they can and cannot say, but I will say again, if they can't make money out of this, and this is just a waste. Like, I got no indication what CM Punk wants to do next after that six-man tag team match that he was in on Saturday at Collision. I don't know what's next for him. But I, as I always say, personal issues draw money. That's the line from Jerry Jarrett, and I adopted that line because I think that that is so true. So do we ignore all this, pretend like it didn't happen? I mean, I think that when you have CM Punk kind of shooting a little bit at the Young Bucks, I feel like there's money to be made there. I feel like in, if not in London, then one of these pay-per-views, something has to give. And so I don't know what's going to happen from this. I thought it was, as I mentioned, a mixed bag promo. I know he had to get stuff off his chest. And I like CM Punk, but I just think that sometimes, you know, he's just um, a little bit over the top. Yeah, he cares and is passionate about the business, but he can't control everything. You're not the boss. I mean, ultimately, you're an employee, just like everybody else. So everyone should fall in line under the guys and the, the you know the leadership of Tony Khan. How frayed his leadership is, how spotty his leadership is, you have to be able to fall in line with what Tony Khan wants. I thought that Punk's promo was good. I don't know what happens from here, though. I know you had a red bag. He pretty much said that, hey, I didn't lose the championship. I lost it because of injury. He's trying to make it seem like, hey, I want a piece of MJF. He didn't say his name, but it seems like he's in that bag as a championship. And I think he wants to have another shot at, at, at MJF for the championship. I smell title versus title at some point. Don't know when, but that's what I'm smelling. We'll see. Wardlow against Luchasaurus was interesting to start off Collision. Because it wasn't the usual what you see as, you know, like an Orange Cassie or something else. It was for the TNT Championship, which is ice cold. That title is ice cold. And Wardlow loses the championship to Luchasaurus. And I thought it was a, a decent opener, not great thing. It was maybe a B, maybe a solid B, maybe B minus. I think it was okay. I just thought I found it interesting that Christian takes the championship and holds it over his head like he won it. But Luchasaurus is a champion. And, uh, you know... I think that's going to be a short-lived championship, and I can see Luchasaurus coming back to being a babyface at some point because you can see Christian being over the top. That I think that championship was given to Luchasaurus because of the reactions that Christian gets on his promos with Luchasaurus. I think, obviously, they're going to do something different, and so there you have it. So Luchasaurus is the TNT champion. So let me ask you a question. What does that do for Wardlow? You talk about the title being ice cold. He's ice cold. Losing the title again. Buddy Matthews against Andrade El Idolo. One of the best matches on the card. I didn't like the idea that during the pitcher-in-pitcher that we got a chance to see like the medical staff coming in to help both guys. Matthews and El Idolo had some issues. And they were selling. And that's a great story to be told because El Idolo with the pec injury and Matthews with the knee. And I think that that pisses off an audience. If I was live, I would have been. I would not have been happy with that. But since I was watching on TV, and it didn't matter as much. But that was kind of weird. But the finish was fantastic. And Andrade came across his baby face. I think he was in this matchup. That was really cool. Good to see him. And he said on social media, he was happy that the fans enjoyed it. And by the way, Andrade, nice finish. I think I've seen it before. The figure eight. Where have I seen that before? 
figure eight. Mm. Miro, as we talked about on Good Karma Wrestling, we had a chance to talk to him. Check out that interview with Miro. I think that you'll really enjoy it. A quick match with Tony Nice. Miro doesn't need to be in a program yet. I just think he needs to get on a roll and just steamroll some guys until he gets to a point where he can face someone like Powerhouse Hobbs or face someone for the championship. I think that that would be really cool. So I'm happy for Miro. The Outcast against Sky Blue, Chicago's own, and Willow Nightingale. Oh, really enjoyed this matchup. I'm really happy for Sky Blue because Homegirl comes in and she gets the pinfall. And I've liked Sky Blue. I've seen her and I've seen her in the independence. So I really like Sky Blue a lot. Um, the outcasts, I think, are over. There's no doubt. Hey, where's Soraya, by the way? What's going on with her? How come she hasn't been to ringside? Um, but the outcasts are over. I think that it's kind of cool that uh, that Tony Storm did not take the pinfall. It was uh, her tag team partner. But I like this tag team. There's a lot of energy there and a big pop for Sky Blue after she gets the pin. FTR and CM Punk against Joe and uh, and of course um, his tag team partners Jay White and Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson out Juliet, Illinois. This was done perfectly because CM Punk wasn't in the rings so much. I think I think the ending was perfect. People popped when they saw CM Punk and Samoa Joe in the ring again because if you're from Chicago or if you were on really part of the indie scene. You kind of knew what was going on with those two and Ring of Honor. Man, great matches. Great matches between those two. And so FTR and CM Punk go out to uh, that matchup and they win the match. Boy, I can see that four or five times. Maybe under different circumstances where you can see guys in there for about maybe longer than 30 minutes. I know they got about 25 or 30 minutes in this matchup, but like more CM Punk, probably maybe more Jay White. Man, it was great though. I really, I really liked it. So, but the thing is about this show is that it got hot at times. The CM Punk promo, the main event's good. I thought the women's match was good. They really didn't give you much about what's happening next week. You want people to tune in. It was a different type of of uh, show, uh, different than what you usually see from AEW Dynamite or Rampage. It just I thought it was hard hitting. You got a chance to see guys. Uh, Scorpio Sky with a nice um, vignette. I was like, okay. We're getting to see a lot of people we haven't seen in a while. And so telling stories, having some good matches, different matches than what you see at Rampage or on on Dynamite, I think that would be good. Now, in our next podcast moving forward, I'll talk about exactly what AEW needs to do to be able to hold on here because they're, they're producing a lot of TV. Along with ROH for two hours, Rampage is one, Dynamite two, and now Collision two. So we're, I'm going to go through an itemized list of things, a to-do list for Tony Khan and in our future podcast here because they're producing a lot of TV as much or maybe sometimes more than WWE. <laughs> so we're going to find out how this works. Broadcast with Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis was pretty good for them working for the first time together. You know, there were some snafus there. Um so I, I would like the combination because it was an Excalibur because you need to have someone new, a different cadence, a different voice. I thought Kevin was very prepared, notes-wise. Gave us some things that we don't usually get on the Dynamite and Rampage shows, quite frankly. So I like that. Nigel McGinnis loved him with NXT. I thought that he uh, was fantastic as a color analyst. And I think that Nigel will be good 
and I think Kevin will be good. Kevin's going to spend some time doing some New Japan, so I can expect an Excalibur or someone else in there from time to time because Kevin still has uh, things he needs to do with New Japan. Uh, Jim Ross. Boy. If you listen to this podcast, you know I've had Jim on quite a few times here, and we're friends. Um, I'm going to speak candidly here about Jim, and I'll say this, and I'll have more to say about this in future podcasts. Jim Ross loves to tell the story of Gordon Soley, Soley who, who was doing wrestling shows going back to the 60s, 70s, and he was still hanging on doing wrestling in the 90s, early 90s of WCW. And Jim loves to tell the story about Gordon Soley and how, you know, he always needed a gin, gin and tonic, or would be at the airport drinking. They had to pick him up from the airport because he was drinking before he did his pre-tapes, before he did his announcing, that he had to have some liquor before he got on the air. He loves to tell that story, and it's a story I didn't need to know about Gordon Soley because Gordon is one of the all-time great announcers, but he just pretty much shit on Soley by talking about how, well, you know, he needed his gin because, you know, he wasn't good in the pre-tapes and he was shaky and he was older and he wasn't really with it. Okay, so fast forward to 2023, and all I know is that JR has had three black eyes in less than two years. He, he put on social media his face and his black eye and said, I had a bad fall, but I'm ready for a collision. I always find it interesting, I'll just leave it here, that his bad falls, the three that he's had in two years, always around the eyes. If you fell, would your eyes be black? If you fell, would you, when you, when your cheek be, you know, have a problem with your cheek or your forehead or back of your head? It's always around his eyes, always around his eyes when he has bad falls. That's all I'll say about that for now. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe to this podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, as well as Good Karma Wrestling. We're having so much fun. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan and you're still listening to this podcast, just keep in mind, pro wrestling is in a great spot right now in 2023. No matter where you plant your flag, no matter which organization you love the most, just professional wrestling is looking so good right now. I want to make a note here that on Wednesday, this Wednesday, I'll be at AEW Dynamite at Wintrust Arena in Chicago, the home of the Chicago Sky and the uh, the Paul Blue Demon. So I'll be there, and I'll give you a full report on Thursday and what's happening uh, with uh, AEW Dynamite and what the crowd was like, because I will be there in the house to check that out. Give me your feedback on the podcast, my friends. want to get your thoughts. I gave you an itemized list of uh, at least 10 great long-term story storytelling items uh, for professional wrestling. The bloodline's on the top, but I gave you nine or ten others. So I want to get your opinion about your favorite long-term storyline as well in pro wrestling. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. I'm still drying out from Las Vegas. (laughs) Walking around with a a Crown Royal IV in my arm around the, the pool. But I just wanted to check in with you guys and thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget, On Thursday, good karma wrestling.